The Aerophone, the New York Times, March 25, 1878. Something ought to be done to Mr. Edison, and there is a growing conviction that it had better be done with a hemp rope. Mr. Edison has invented too many things, and almost without exception, they are things of the most deleterious character. He has been addicted to electricity for many years, and it is not very long ago that he became notorious for having discovered a new force, though he has since kept it carefully concealed, either upon his person or elsewhere. Recently, he invented the phonograph, a machine that catches the lightest whisper of conversation and stores it up so that at any future time it can be brought out, to the confusion of the original speaker. This machine will eventually destroy all confidence between man and man, and render more dangerous than ever woman's want of confidence in woman. No man can feel sure that wherever he may be, there is not a concealed phonograph remorselessly gathering up his remarks and ready to reproduce them at some future date. Who will be willing even in the bosom of his family, to express but most innocuous and colorless views. And what woman, when calling on a female friend and waiting for the latter to make her appearance in the drawing room, will dare to express her opinion of the wretched taste displayed in the furniture, or the hideous appearance of the family photographs? In the days of persecution and espionage, it was said, though with poetical exaggeration, that the walls had ears. Thanks to Mr. Edison's perverted ingenuity, this has not only become a literal truth, but every shelf, closet, or floor may now have its concealed phonographic ears. No young man will venture to carry on a private conversation with a young lady, lest he should be filling a concealed phonograph with evidence that, in a breach of promise suit, would secure an immediate verdict against him. And our very small boys will fear to express themselves with childish freedom, lest the phonograph should report them as having lightly used the name of Gosh or as having threatened to bust the snoot of the long-suffering governess. The phonograph was, at the time of its invention, the most terrible example of depraved ingenuity that the world had seen. But Mr. Edison has since reached a still more conspicuous peak of scientific infamy by inventing the aerophone, an instrument far more devastating in its effects and fraught with the destruction of human society. The aerophone is apparently a modification of the phonograph. In fact, it is a phonograph which converts whispers into roars. If, for example, you mention within hearing of the aerophone that you regard Mr. Hayes as the greatest and best man that America has yet produced, that atrocious instrument may overwhelm you with shame by repeating your remark in a tone that can be heard no less than four miles. Mr. Edison, with characteristic effrontery, represents this as a useful and beneficent invention. He says that an aerophone can be attached to a locomotive and that with its aid, the engineer can request persons to look out for the locomotive who are nearing a railway crossing four miles distant from the train. 
He also boasts that he will attach an aerophone to the gigantic Statue of Liberty, which France is to present to this country, provided we will raise money enough to pay for it. And the statue will thus be able to welcome incoming vessels in the lower bay and to warn them not to come to the city in case Mr. Stanley Matthews is delivering an oration on the currency or Mr. Cox is making a comic speech at Tammany Hall. Were the aerophone to be confined strictly to these uses, it might prove a comparatively unobjectionable instrument, but no man can lose a whirlwind and guarantee that its ravages will be confined to Chicago or to some other place where it may do positive good. This country has long suffered from excessive talk, and yet, Knowing full well that talk is a monster of such hideous meaning that to be hated needs only to be constantly heard, Mr. Edison has devised an instrument by which the range of conversation is extended from a few feet to four miles. Our present vocal powers are always used to their full capacity. Everybody talks with about the same volume of voice. And when the aerophone comes into use, people will universally talk as loud as the instrument will permit. When 99 people out of 100 converse with the aerophone, there will be such a roar of conversation that the hundredth person who may speak in his natural voice cannot be heard. We can only faintly imagine the horrible results of the general introduction of the aerophone. Wives residing in suburban Jersey villages will call to their husbands at their places of business in the city and require information on matters of purely domestic interest. Mothers whose children have wandered out of sight will howl over a four-mile tract of country, direful threats as to the flaying alive which awaits James Henry and Anne Eliza, unless they instantly come home. From morning till midnight, our ears will be tortured with the uproar of aerophonic torque, and deaf men will be looked upon as the favored few to whom nature has made life tolerable. The result will be the complete disorganization of society. Men and women will flee from civilization and seek in the silence of the forest's relief from the roar of aerophones. Business, marriage, and all social amusements will be thrown aside, except by totally deaf men. And America will retrograde to the Stone Age with frightful rapidity. Better is a dinner of raw turnips in a damp cave than a banquet at Delmonico's within hearing of 10,000 aerophones. Far better is it to starve in solitude than to possess all the luxuries of civilization at the price of hearing every remark that is made within a radius of four miles. It may be too late to suppress the aerophone now, but at least there is time to visit upon the head of the inventor the just indignation of his fellow countrymen.